This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Event Dynamic specializes in maximizing revenue and increasing attendance. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been very fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at a high level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been a big focus, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and a few key takeaways to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week is another individual that I know very well. I met him early on in my career, had the privilege of working for him twice, and now have the ability to call him a friend. He had so much success in the sales and business side. The NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, appointed him as the managing director of the NBA 2K League. Brendan Donahue, better known as BD. BD, welcome to the show. What's up, Trav? Thanks for having me. BD, thanks so much for joining me, and I'm very excited to get into your career journey, and, and I know you have a ton of great advice to our listeners, as you've always done for my career, and we've had several guests on already that you know very well, with Corey Breton, Bernie Mullen, and Dr. Bill Sutton, and they've all mentioned successful people having a passion, and that's what always stood out from, you know, for me in getting to know you, whether that be giving a pump-up speech before one of our home openers in Atlanta, celebrating team wins, and even playing basketball with you. And I guess that's a, a funny story. You know, the leaders in Atlanta decide to play a three-on-three tournament back early in my career. This team consisted of BD, Corey Breton, and Chris Zaber. And needless to say, there was some passion on that court, I think, amongst both teams. And I'll be honest, BD, I think I'm still bruised from the beating and maybe the fouls you never called and probably a potential concussion. But BD, you know, what drives you every day? Um... I think it all starts with just loving what you do. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I've never woke up and been like, oh, I got to go to work. That's just not in my DNA. And I think um, that drives me. I think, you know, you mentioned a few names there, um, particularly, you know, Corey and I were great colleagues. And then, um, you know, people like Bernie Mullen or, or Bill or Lou DePauly or, you know, um, Chad Estes, people like that. I mean, I've been fortunate to have some amazing mentors um, who really understood about development. Um, and then the last, I, I would say, I mean, the one, one that like, you know, probably is my biggest mentor even beyond all of them um, in terms of what drove me to be passionate was my mom. You know, uh, you know, she, she stayed at home, raised six kids, then went back to work after being, you know, have a nursing degree and then um, proceeded to, you know, work so hard and then start her own home care agency you know, uh, and being a woman, being a woman in business, then a business owner, and then doing that until she was, you know, nearly 80 years old, until a couple of years ago, I mean, you know, 
she definitely taught me work ethic and passion and, you know, uh, earning everything. You, you have to earn everything. You have to work for everything you earn. Yep. No, that, that's absolutely. No, that completely makes sense. I'm glad to hear. And, you know, BD, the listeners are certainly going to continue to hear your passion throughout this podcast, but let's start current and then we can walk our, ourselves backwards. So you had been in the sports business your entire career. Back in April 2017, ironically enough, I was reporting to you at Teambo, and you decided at that time to transition from, from NBA and Teambo to the managing director of the 2K League. And, and honestly, BD, I'll never forget, I was in an airport in Utah, and I got a call from you on a Friday morning, which was supposed to be our one-on-one -on -one time. And you said, you had told me that, that your transition. And at first, I was like, I thought you were joking. I knew nothing about video games. I couldn't comprehend how someone would actually pay to watch people play. Um, I obviously knew you used to always play video games with Carter, your son, and, and we're very intrigued, but you end up taking that managing director role of this inaugural league. Why? What intrigued you? What was passionate about that? So as a specifically the 2K league, what I would say is, you know, you mentioned it perfectly. It, it kind of collided my two worlds. Like I'd spent 20 years working in sports and the team business and then and at the NBA and at the same time, you know, my son's now 14. When he turned five, uh, my wife got us gaming chairs for his birthday. And so that became our thing. Like our, on a weekend, you would come to our house and we'd be playing video games together. And like, so it was a passion of mine, always was, even when I was younger, uh, playing sports games, you know, of all different kinds. So it kind of brought my two worlds together. Um, so that was one piece of it. Um, the other thing I'd say, and this is similar to kind of the conversation, you know, I had to, uh, with you back when I went to Teambo uh, from the Atlanta Hawks was, you know, I always wanted to challenge myself and keep and, and, and challenge myself to always evolve and to make sure I was pushing myself to change and never get stale. And so um, I think, you know, I, I, I had been consulting for eight years in Teambo and it was amazing, amazing experience, like learning, learning and, and seeing the best do it all across the country, across the world. And so uh, you know, just like, you know, I needed that challenge going team boat. This has totally challenged me in a new way. Like one, I'm operating again and I'm operating a business day to day, which I personally love. Um, but secondarily, all of a sudden I'm getting involved in media rights discussions and I'm running a broadcast, you know, certainly I have a group that's running physically running the broadcast, but I mean, I'm learning about a broadcast and the challenges that has, um, a totally new audience you know, a new audience that consumes content in a totally different way. So, you know, I think this is continuing to, you know, help me, you know, evolve and, and, and learn the kind of how the consumer is changing and kind of what's going to make me, you know, continue to grow as an executive. And so I think it just, it, it fits so much of what I'm passionate about. Yeah. And you certainly proved me wrong, you know, certainly from the league perspective and, you know, the NBA 2K league was the official esports league, the first league operated by a U.S. professional sports organization, you know, you completed the second season in August. League now has 23 teams. Is that accurate? That's right, yeah. So 23 teams ramping up for the next season. So, you know, I guess, BD, you kind of briefly mentioned there of some of the challenges and some of the obstacles and how you've evolved. But give the listeners a brief rundown of what your day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week looks like. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, it's never consistent. I mean, it's, it's, uh, the beauty of the league is that, you know, uh, and the challenge of it is that you have, we have so many different kind of constituencies to, to, you know, to keep, you know, happy and, and, and driven. So, I mean, as a starting point, the 2K league is half owned by 
Take-Two Interactive or 2K, and the other half by the NBA. Then, of course, you mentioned we have 23 teams, uh, 22 that are NBA-owned. And then this year, uh, our newest addition to the league is the Gen G Tigers of Shanghai. So that, that's our first non-NBA-owned team that purchased a franchise the right to be in the league. Um, and so uh, they, they have more of an eSports background. They have, you know, seven, uh, 11 teams across seven different titles uh, in eSports. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's dealing with the teams. And I will say the other piece is, you know, we, you know, we have uh, our players. I mean, you're talking about anywhere from 18-year-olds to 30-year-olds that are really involved in professional sports for the first time ever. And so a lot of that is hand-holding and kind of helping them develop as people and as they kind of meet five new people and they have coaches and GMs and organizations. And so that it comes with a lot of pressure. I mean, you think about an NBA player has usually the opportunity, usually the opportunity to go through and go to North Carolina or Duke or wherever. And like you at least have some sort of transition from high school to, you know, kind of gradually working your way up to an NBA career. These guys are kind of thrown into the deep end of the pool right out of the gates. So uh, it's important for us uh, to actually, you know, help them develop as individuals. So I will say, I like to say I kind of play an older brother kind of figure, although some of them will say father figure. Um, but Back it's, uh, you know, it, what's that? Back to being a mentor. Ex yeah, exactly. So, no, but, but I will say it's one of my most, one of the most fun parts about the job. I mean, you know, the, you know, the kids in our league are awesome. Um, and, and, you know, and so it's been, it's been, a, it's been an amazing adventure over the last, you know, three years. Yeah, you know, I've been fortunate with my travel to to check out a couple of the studios that the NBA franchises in. You know, from the the locker room to the gear to all the technology in there, it's pretty impressive. And I know, you know, for those listeners of Fifty Two Weeks Hustle on YouTube, you're actually sitting in what is that? Is that your gaming chair that you're sitting in? <laughs> Absolutely, my Rainer gaming chair. Shout out to my <laughs> shout out to one of my partners. Um, Looks sharp. So, and it's funny. So you say we're on YouTube right now. So. Um, that's the other piece too, you know, we're on YouTube and Twitch, we're streaming on both of those, uh, you know, kind of all of our games, but then the other big thing you mentioned, like the players going from, you know, kind of their own homes to all of a sudden being in the spotlight for the first time this season, you know, uh, we're on ESPN two. So we're on now, you know, every Tuesday night, sometimes Friday nights, we're on ESPN two. Um, that's been, a, I mean, that's one where like, it's some of our players are like, oh my goodness, I, you know, I've made it. You've made it. Um, so, I mean, all, all these new additions this season has been really interesting, uh, really interesting to kind of take part in. You know, and BD, you mentioned you kind of continue to evolve, and I think that's where you guys within 2K League has evolved and, and kind of taken advantage of, you know, I don't want to talk a ton about COVID-19, but, you know, you have to continue to evolve, and you guys have, have really found a way to keep moving. I know, you, and we're going to get into it, of how you've had to change some things up, but now you're on ESPN2, uh, which is huge. Yeah. And, and you know what, Trav, I'd also say is, is, is early on in the crisis, and this is where every day, uh, our day starts Monday through, it was initially Monday through Sunday, now Monday through Friday, we have, uh, you know, our, our, our first meeting of the day is with Adam Silver and our senior team. And one of the things that really stuck with me when this thing, whole first thing started was he, he really kind of talked to us about how, you know, when these kind of crises come along, people that like double down and dig in during down times always come out way faster than everyone else. And that just stuck with me. And so like, since that, since that conversation, I know, you know, I have been doubling, quadrupling down on what we're doing with the 2K league, just knowing that, you know, this is, this could be a transformational opportunity for, for esports in general, and let alone the 2K league. And so 
all of a sudden there's you know a stage that's wide open for us to maybe you know to to take you know advantage of and so you know we, our group has been working nonstop uh to you know to, and by the way our our number of fans that we're engaging with now is up a huge amount over last season um and so it's actually we've had to adjust even our content because now you know we might have three quarters of our audience might be brand new and so we have we probably you know we've i've been pushing to do more one-on-one content and more like hey here's the history of the league type of content because you know we, we've had to make that adjustment because you know fortunately we have a lot of new people checking it out they're looking for something to do absolutely you know, BD, when you're on the business side, you know, you're always recruiting sales and business professionals. And, and now you kind of mentioned a couple minutes ago, you know, you're going in, in a lot of your employees or players are from 18 to 30 and you're kind of that mentor figure. And it seems like you're continuously recruiting and ultimately drafting people to play in this league. So what are some similarities of characteristics that you look for in successful people in both the, the businesses side as well as the 2K side? good question um sometimes it's not rocket science i mean i'd say a couple things one is i make a habit in the interview process of only bringing in people that are qualified like really qualified from a a expertise perspective and then if you if you do that on the front end and work hard to do that then i think you know i'll do a couple things one is there are certain characteristics i definitely look for um you know to me optimism is one that i've always valued I think, you know, people who are optimistic are generally positive people. They're always looking for solutions versus problems. Um, I just find that to be a, a, an important quality. Um, the one I'd say in terms of recruiting, I've definitely put more on the front burner over the last several years has been putting an emphasis on diversity. Um, I just think the more and more I see diversity work, um, it just makes you a better organization. I mean, it's not about checking a box. I mean, it's about like, it's about doing better work. And if you have people with diverse backgrounds and different life experiences, your, your chances of actually relating to a, a fan base are far better uh, when you have that type of experience in, kinda, you know, in your group. So that's one I will say that like, you know, it has become way more important um, than ever before, I think, with successful businesses. No, absolutely. You know, I, I know you mentioned some of the media deals. You, you talked about YouTube and Twitch. And, and I know when it comes to game nights, you often give league updates on Periscope. You'll catch up with players and executives and, and then often tour potential and current partners of, you know, the extravagant studio that you guys have built out. So in the sports sales world, as we all know, that's a big part of the business where you'll be touring the venue and showing seats and suites. You had a lot of sec success in selling hospitality in your career. What type of similar sales approach are you taking with this role? Yeah, and I will say, I mean, I, while I'm maybe not, um, you know, selling in the traditional sense that I was when I was selling tickets and, and that type of thing, I, believe me, I'm selling every day, uh, whether it's, you know, media rights, partnerships, franchises. Uh, so, I mean, I think the same, the same, um, the same things that are important in sales still carry over. I mean, to me, it's one is you've got to be fluent and you've got to be passionate about your product. You've got to believe in it as a starting point. Um, but the second thing, and you know this as well as anybody, to me, it's you've got to be an exceptional listener. I mean, you, you, and it's, and it, you know, and it's not just, you know, following a script. You've got to be, you got to be nimble and you've got to be able to actually like hear someone and truly hear like not just what they're telling you, but what's this, the second and third layer underneath. They really are, are not telling you that you're trying to interpret. 
so you can kind of shape your conversation a little bit better. Uh, to me, you know, to, and and I will also say, you know, it's it's um, you know, it, it's about showing them you you know the value you bring. And listen, I will say, no one was better than that than you uh, in terms of when you were selling. You know, you, you were changing the game, man. I mean, you didn't even realize you were 21 years old, and every time you had a sales call, you were you know, every time you had a conversation, you were writing a thank you note, you know, a handwritten note to someone you talked to. No one was doing that. That wasn't even our training. That was just something you did on your own. Like, so I think someone who's willing to differentiate themselves, people are being sold all day long. So if you differentiate yourself from the other people they're talking to or being sold by, I, I think that, that's what makes a difference. No, I certainly appreciate the kind words, BD. And, you know, that's what I think both on the, the 52 Weeks Also podcast and other conversations I know I've had with a lot of leaders, right now is the time to invest in yourself and find ways to differentiate yourself. That's, you know, you're going to be much better off, like no different than what you said, Commissioner Silver said in one of your early meetings of this COVID-19, like find a way. So, you know, BD, obviously, what a, what a great career journey. You know, so now we'll take a step back and, and you grew up in Connecticut earned your degree from Boston College. You end up starting your career in Detroit with the Pistons and Palace Sports, spent six years there. Why did you know, growing up in Connecticut, you obviously got your work ethic from your mother you talked about, but why did you want to get into sales right away? So it's weird, and not a lot of people say this. I mean, I actually, I was selling early on. Like, I actually, I had a, uh, and I loved sales early on. I, I, I sold magazine subscriptions in college. I got a job selling door-to-door at one point. Um, I, I, my internship with the Celtics, I sold, uh, I was actually selling and renewing season tickets and, and selling. I just like, I always had a passion for it. Um, and I, and the other thing I'd say, like, just, just transparently, like getting into sports is like, we all wanted to get jobs in sports. And I will say that, you know, I also viewed it as an opportunity to control my income a little bit more. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, to get into sales, I mean, you, you know, there were commissions that like, you could be earning at 23, 24 years old that most people, you know, most other people who just kind of went the normal path couldn't do. Yep. Yep. And I don't know of many teams that cap the commission. So that certainly always intrigued me about sales. <laughs> exactly. You know, so, so after six years at the, at the Pistons and Palace Sports, you go on to spend a few years with the Milwaukee Bucks, then the New Orleans Hornets, then as the vice president of sales and service, the Hawks, Thrashers, and Phillips Arena, where obviously I had the privilege of working with you. And, you know, I know and talking to both Corey and, and Bernie early on in 52 Weeks of Hustle, you know, what a great experience I think we had. You look back, there's so many great people that have come from that and, you know, really a good family. But, uh, you know, it was your fourth NBA team and now you're overseeing that whole shop. What was the biggest learning curve when you got to Atlanta? Well, one was just the, um, the sheer size of the organization. I mean, I mean, our sales and service team was, you know, 80 people, uh, two, two professional sports teams during the same period of time during the same season. So we were, you know, you'd have 12 games and 13 nights, those kind of crazy things. Um, but in terms of the learning curve, I think um, I had to do a couple things. One is I, I had to get more, I had to get better at managing my leaders and preparing them to be successful because it was unrealistic for me to have an impact on that many people. So if I could figure out the right program to, you know, to, and find the best attributes to make Corey yourself, you know, you know, Denise, De- Denise or Chris Zaber, et cetera, like to have all those people kind of like be at their best, then I think it was just a, a totally different way of managing that I had never experienced uh, up until that point. Um, the other big one I would say, and, and I mentioned, you know, Bernie and Lou being great mentors, um, 
The other thing that Bernie and Lou did that I never experienced was, was exposure to ownership. So, I mean, they had no issue. They would, you know, we would have quarterly board meetings with our owners and Bernie and Lou would throw me right in the fire and, you know, and they would let me present to the owners. And that was a, 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 um, a piece of the puzzle I had never seen before. And so um, learning how owners think, and, and I've gotten way more, uh, you know, kind of fluent in that now, but just the, the macro level that they look at the world, it totally was different than where I was at the time. And it really changed you know, my perspective in terms of what kind of value I can create. You know, it, it wasn't just about like hitting your group sales goal. No, it wasn't about just that. It was about like, how can you truly create value by, you know, it was really more about like your vision to execute a good staff and like, how can I create new products and something to drive six, $7 million in, in revenue versus, you know, the next 500,000. And that was just the way, and that was just the way they thought. And so, um, as I will say, you know, the, the time I had in Atlanta, that's where, I mean, fortunately, I also had great leaders who were helping me navigate that experience too. And uh, people like Bernie and Lou, uh, you know, I remember Lou kind of, you know, talking to me as we were you know, getting ready for those, um, those type of meetings. And he would be like, you know, don't say too much, just, you know, answer the question. Don't, you know, don't, you know, don't give too much hyperbole because you might end up opening a whole other conversation you want you know you might un unintentionally open a different door you don't want to go uh, down path yeah yeah so um so i will say that was probably the biggest kind of learn not learning curve but like um just valued experience i had there yeah i know and and talking to a lot of leaders and especially to your point of the ownership group is many of these you know owners of sports teams were really really successful in some sort of business and it probably wasn't a sports business. So, you know, having to understand to speak their language, but also to your point, educate them. You know, I think that was always a cool part, but you know, educate them to the point that they're at the end of the day, they still want that PL to be hit. So no, no doubt. Um, you know, so again, we're here on 52 weeks of hustle. Guest today is Brendan Donahue, managing director of the NBA 2K, 2K league. So BD, after spending four years in Atlanta, having a ton of success, you decided to take a role at the NBA league office within team marketing and business operations. And, you know, I remember again, when you took that role, you mentioned it was going to be a great way to understand a lot more areas of the business. You kind of talked about some of the, the bigger picture things and certainly the ownership, but how was that transitioning for you? You went from, you, you mentioned Atlanta Spirit's huge organization. You had a hundred plus people reporting directly to you. And then now you all of a sudden you're working with all the teams in the NBA, WNBA and G League. So to me, the reason I did it, um, you know, I love doing what I was doing and I, and, I, and I was in that VP of sales position, which I love doing. And I knew I could keep growing and like I could become a chief revenue officer or whatever the next logical position would have been. Um, and I knew I could do that job, but I wanted to be great at, I wanted to be like totally equipped to be great at it when I had that opportunity. And so that's why I originally went to Teambo was the opportunity to kind of, to get so much wider and to learn about marketing and about analytics and about sponsorship and about, you know, I mean, about leadership, you know, just a totally different way of like kind of you know, viewing the world. And again, because it goes back to that ownership perspective, right? It's like learning how to be more fluent at a macro level, then you become a more dangerous executive. And so I think, you know, that, that for me, that's what, you know, Teamboat, I was able to like dig in and have quality time with some of the best executives in sports and get to know them and kind of hear how they process things. Um, and by and process things in totally different, like you would go from a small market that was struggling one week 
and the next week you were in a high demand place and like the, the challenge and that was so like because you know if you're at a team you know your challenges like really they, they may only change once every couple of years and so what's you know team boat you actually you know as well as i do like your challenges change from week to week yep and every day is going to be different in each to your point each visits with the teams are going to be different Mm -hmm. They may have come with a challenge. So as you're going around consulting for eight years, you know, you've come across a lot of, to your point, very, very successful people that you've seen their careers grow. Um, and not only on your team side. So if you think back of the characteristics and just what did people do, regardless of their role or the capacity or the responsibility, like what were the most successful people consistently doing that you've seen in your career that all the listeners of 52 Weeks of Hustle We'll be able to apply to their day. I, I would say one of my favorite things I would see, characteristics I would see in somebody I would go visit is there was almost this like they were unsettled in what they were doing. Like they were always trying to figure out like what are the two or three things that other people are doing that I'm not doing, or like they were seeking to get better, and that was that that they had that hunger to like just be successful. And that was and I'm like okay, this person's like they get it. They're, you know, they're always pushing themselves to be better. Like they, they just want to learn and like add it to their game. And then they treat it like a craft. And to me, like that, that's the stuff we've been talking about for 20 years, right? I mean, like it's, it's this idea of treating your career like a craft and knowing you can continuously get better. So that's, that's one thing I definitely noticed. Um, and in terms of like at the president CEO level, I think um, the best ones to me were had just a great sensibility for people. And they, they, they just had a good idea, you know, they, they knew how to like manage different personalities and different types of people and make them all be better. Um, I think a lot of them, a lot of the best were like, whether they realized it or not, they were great. Um, to say they were great sellers might be short, short kind of you know, shortening them. I actually think they were great storytellers. And I think that, you know, the ability to kind of like storytell and crystallize a vision for an organization is a really cool skill. And you watch, you know, you watch some of the best team presidents out there, like a Rick Welts or Steve Coonan, et cetera, Scott O'Neill. They're amazing storytellers. And they get a whole group of people to kind of believe in what the, what the, the, what the goal is for the organization. And so that, that to me is another, another big characteristic. And then I'd say the last couple of years, it's the people who had those soft skills and they combined it with injecting data and analytics and trying to figure out that piece of the business and like, how they could take their intuition, which is usually spot on, but, you know, back that up with data to actually make them even more effective. You know, but I completely agree. And back to the storytelling piece. I think that's a big piece of a lot of key executives. And you think about other businesses outside of sports. I mean, those are some of the best storytellers. With that, like, BD, what advice would you give for somebody to become a better storyteller? Is it reading? Is it listening? Is it, how do people become good storytellers? I find the best storytellers, um, again, I mean, I, th I think one is they're super authentic. Um, they're not like, you know, it, they're not cheesy. They're not like, you know, it's, it, they're just, they're themselves. They're, they're, so it doesn't have to come in one size fits all. Like one person's idea of being authentic and another person's are totally different. Um, but for example, you know, go, go to my own, you know, my own boss. Like if you listen to Adam Silver at a press conference, you can tell he's not on a script. He is being super authentic and real. And so that, that's an example, like, to me, like that's an example of a great storyteller, someone who can just be real and honest and like, and can be relatable. 
and like can can, can make a, a group of fans sitting in or a group of staff that are sitting in a room and make them feel like they're you know they're being understood and and they they can give off confidence to like they're leading them somewhere. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Great advice. And and uh, I guess a little kind of going back. You know, you grew up in Connecticut, went to Boston College. You I grew know, up in New York. Just so you know, I grew up in New York. I moved to Connecticut in high school. Moved to Connecticut. <laughs> you grew up in that Northeast area, right? Very and true. Very true. After Boston College, stayed in the Northeast, went to Detroit. Then ultimately now you're back in the Northeast. You're living in Connecticut, working in Manhattan. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the individuals I think all of us have talked to, whether they're trying to get in this business or they're in this business, they're like, well, I, I want to stay close to home. I want to, you know, stay close to proximity and, you know, I think Corey Bratton on one of the first uh, episodes of the podcast said, you know, his advice is go away for a couple of years and you can always come back. And, and you were able to do that. What advice would you give for people that, again, are either starting in this business or currently in this business about being close to family and friends and the proximity of where they grew up and what it takes on the career path? I think, it, I think it's, I think it's important. Family is obviously important. I come from a really big family, you know, I'm the youngest of six kids. Um, what I would say is um, you, in, you exponentially increase your opportunities to grow if you're willing to go somewhere and move. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean like sports is different. It's not like I, if I work in a bank, I can go to 10 other banks in my market. Like if you want to work in sports, specifically on the team side, your options are more limited. So I think, you know, and everybody wants to work in sports. So if you're willing to go to Detroit or Milwaukee or Atlanta, what have you, I think it just increases your chances significantly of being able to grow and take on new opportunities. So, um, and I would also say like, you know, I, you know, I, I moved to Connecticut right before high school. I went to Boston for college. Like I always liked meeting new people. And so like now I have a group of friends from Michigan, from Milwaukee. So I, to me, I, I had a really good experience with moving to different places. I'm from and Ohio. So-, so don't forget Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I I never had the fortune. I was never fortunate enough to work in Ohio. <laughs> More friends than anything, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, so so you ended up being in Teambo for eight years in the two K league over you know over a couple years now. So over a decade, and you spend a lot of time traveling in planes and hotels. So somewhat of a curveball question, but you know, I guess first, what was your airline of choice? So I made a switch about five years ago to Delta. I used to be a United guy, and I went to Delta. What about, do you have a hotel brand? Um, well, again, I, I, that one, I, I was forced to change. I was a Starwood guy, and now I'm, I'm Bonvoy because Marriott bought Starwood. Okay. And so, you know, given a customer experience in any of our industries, it goes such a long way. You know, you, you, you said you made a switch on the airlines. You're obviously somewhat stayed in that Bonvoy, you know, kind of area. Why did you like each of those so much? Why did you stick with them? Did, is there anything you remember through 10 plus years of traveling on a consistent basis that stuck out as far as a customer experience journey? Yeah, I mean, I would say like they, they were really good at knowing, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's some backend algorithm that's doing this for them, but like, you know, giving me a free, giving, when to give me a free upgrade, when to like, you know, to give me a membership to a club. Like, you know, they just, I mean, I, it, it, when you, especially you have a product that other people can sell, I can choose United, Delta, et cetera, American Airlines, and I have options. Um, but I would go out of my way and in cases, you know, um, go stay at a hotel that might have been further outside of downtown because, I, you know, they had hooked me in with loyalty in terms of how they treated me. And I knew that what consistent, great experience I was going to get. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Anything you would recommend for the listeners to, you know, take that kind of journey and apply it to their everyday. And maybe that's every day now with COVID-19 and, you know, maybe the lack of being able to have face-to-face interaction and then post this, you know, what could they do as far as customer journey and that relationship sales process? I think the biggest thing I think we're, we're learning from this whole situation is, um, we might have been overestimating how important the office is. I, I mean, you know, I, I feel like my team's actually been really effective, uh, you know, with Teams Zoom calls and WebExes and everything else. Like, I, I think, you know, we've been, you know, we've been getting a lot done and we're not with each other. And so I think the same thing can apply to customers. I think if you, you can get on the phone or get face-to-face through Zoom uh, or, you know, uh, with a customer, those principles still exist. I mean, I, I would say like it, it's um, it's always better to be in front of somebody, you know. And think about it. I I don't want to be in front of you in an office with a mask on. I'd rather actually see you right. and talk to you like normal. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think um, and I was during these times, like especially if your business is struggling, um, any kind of seeds you can plant now and doubling down on your relationships, um. Because listen, when, when people are, if, if, if it's just about people making a decision on price, which most times it's not, um, you know, it's that relationship that makes a difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you mentioned you know, when you're in Atlanta, one of the biggest kind of obstacles was continuing to evolve as a leader and lead other leaders. And you mentioned, you know, Bernie and Lou that helped you a ton. Um, and I know you've always been big on that is leadership training and uh, train the trainer as you will. So as you think about and some of the leaders that are listening to this podcast, what is the best advice to you to them was like how to lead other leaders? What does that look like? Um, I think you, you've got to quickly come to the realization that everyone's different and most people are different than you. And so trying to figure out what drives someone, um, you know, someone like Corey and you, um, or Zaber, like even amongst you guys, you're all so different. And what drove you guys was totally different. It might be money. It might be growing your career. But, and that you've got to like understand that like, that, you know, you, you know, if you can become an advocate for that person and helping them get where they get where they want to get to, you'll be shocked at what kind of, what kind of production you get from them. And so I would say, you know, and the other thing I'd say lately, I'd say maybe the last 10 years or so has been, learning how to better manage people that are more fluent in what they're doing than you are. So you start to manage people in different areas of the business, like someone in marketing that actually is probably better at marketing or understands the nuances of marketing better than you might. And so you, you at that point, you just got to figure out how to make them more productive. So it's like, it's getting more into their process or getting more into how they're managing their staff. And so I think it becomes more of, it's more managing the psychology of, of leadership versus kind of getting into the nitty gritty of like, whether you should be using social media or direct, you know, direct mail marketing or something like that. It's, it's not about that. It's actually about just making them a better leader. So, um, and then the other thing I think too, um, you know, it's kind of underrated is in the hiring process, like I put much more emphasis now than I ever have on just getting people I would actually like to hang out with, yep. you know, and like when you're in your hiring process, like, you know, a lot of breakdowns inside of an organization are about people just not, connecting and not liking each other that much and you're going to have stress in your work so like it's you got to make sure that people are are, are like are, are likable and easy to work with because it may i mean your whole system can break down if you have two people that are in key positions 
that you know aren't seeing aren't on the same page. So I think uh, I don't know. I, I just think the um, you know there's 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 a million different ways to to be to be a great leader. Uh, but I do think, um, and maybe I'm getting older, but it, I do think the, the whole idea of um, of just kind of unlocking potential is the key to a great leader. Right. No, absolutely. And, and you know, to that point is is getting along and building a relationship. As we all know in this business, you may spend a lot more time with them than any other family or friends. You know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Like you've got to figure out a way to work together and move to that same common goal, that one goal. Yeah, and, and, and understanding that, you know, that person who's sitting quietly in a meeting, they may be sitting on some unbelievably good ideas. And so it's kind of on you to make sure that you're creating an environment that allows that person to get their thoughts out, even though they might not be the loudest voice in the room. And so like you, you've got to make sure you're creatively figuring that part out or, or else like you're leaving a lot of money on the table. No, absolutely. Again, 52 Weeks of Hustle, the managing director of the NBA 2K League, Brendan Donahue. BD, you know, you you given great advice throughout this podcast. You know, hopefully this is going to be a little bit of a softball for you. But, you know, one of the biggest pieces of advice you brought up today that I don't think a lot of our listeners have probably heard is the advice of storytelling. So I'm going to put you on the, the initial part of the hustle hot seat with give us the storytelling of all the listeners. Why should they start tuning in to the NBA 2K League? Um, couple reasons. Um, so first off, I think people in general um, love to watch the best people in the world compete at whatever they're doing. I mean, I mean it's, it's not just about like watching the NBA or the NHL, et cetera. Like, sure, there, that exists and people are attracted to that. But, you know, you, uh, you walk into many t uh, people's living rooms right now, uh, tonight and they'll be watching Chopped or they'll be watching Biggest Loser. Or they'll, be, they'll, be, they'll always love watching people compete. Those are uh, the shows you're hooked to right now, huh? What's that? Those are clearly the shows you're hooked to right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, but I, I mean, I think that my, the point is like, it's people love to watch people compete and they like that it's real and it's in the moment. And I will say like, we're taking the by far, I mean, there's, you know, there's right now, there's, you know, almost 60 million people in the world that play 2K and we found the best, uh, you know, 130 some odd players in the world at playing the game. And then you add the elements of the pressure of competing and competing for money and, you know, the same dynamic that exists with teammates, you know, getting along with teammates and leading. And like, it's, especially if you've been to our studio in New York, when, when, we're, when we're back in there, like that stage, it's so funny to watch like the best, some of the best rookies we have in our league, when they get on that stage, some of them own it and some of them lean into it and some of them absolutely panic. Because it, 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 it's like, it's brutal. It's like, it's like a schoolyard where like, you know, the, the, you know, the, the big dogs can dominate. And then people start talking trash. I've seen players totally fold under that pressure. So I, I, I find it to be amazing kind of cinema. Um, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a very easy game to learn compared to the rest of esports where like everyone knows what basketball looks like. And, and it's easy for them to, you don't have to play 2K to understand it and love it. So um yeah, I think we're, and I also think we're, um, if you want, you know, I think if you want to engage in a product, you know, I mean, if you're, you can, you can watch our games, you can chat with other fans at the same time, you know, oftentimes our players who aren't playing are in the chat. So imagine like watching an NBA, an NBA game, Lakers and Bucks, and like, I can chat with Steph Curry while I'm watching yeah. it. Like, yeah. you, just, you just don't get the kind of access. So I think 
it, it's a very modern sports experience. And I think sky's the limit for the future. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I think that's what's intrigued me most about it, not only because you're there and a friend of mine, but also it's like that competitive nature, right? Everybody that's listening to this podcast, you have some sort of competitive nature, and it's, it's organic at this point. So you're going to watch anything competitive. Exactly. So, you know, continuing on with the hustle hot seat, you know, BD, a couple quick questions for you. Okay. First, we'll, we'll stick with the 2K league. You know, I know, as I mentioned, you and your son Carter have always played video games against each other. Who currently has the better record when playing NBA 2K? Is Carter better than you at this point or evenly matched? I will give a fair and balanced answer. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm the better 2K player. Um, he's, he's a better Fortnite player. I, okay. I will give him that. Okay. He's better at Fortnite than I am. But, but I'm, and we're actually we're starting to catch up to each other in both. So it, 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 it's a pretty good competition going on in this house. I didn't know if you were going to say you have, like, the old Game Genie in, and that's why you're crushing him in the 2K <laughs> League. So, you know, BD, if you could have your own late-night talk show, who do you invite as your first guest? So, you know what's funny is um, – and this answer probably would have, has changed in the last couple of weeks. That my answer today would be Michael Jordan. Uh, I've been watching The Last Dance, and I was fascinated by it, like just the things – I forgot about or didn't realize were going on at the time. Um, there are so many questions I still want to ask him. Uh, and so I would say he'd be an ideal first guest. Yeah, that's, that's a great guess. I assume a lot of people would ask that. The next question on the hot seat, you know, you talk about evolving a lot. And, you know, I always use kind of the joke that, you know, when I was selling premium seat in Atlanta, I still had a flip phone and, and no internet, no email, no text. And you know, I'm now concerned you still might. Yeah, I may, I may still have one. Now smartphones are everywhere, right? So if you had to delete all but three apps from your phone, which ones would you keep? Hmm. Three, huh? That's tough. That's tough to get down to three. I mean, so I would say, you know, just from usage, ESPN and Twitter, I'm on all the time. Uh, I get my new, I'm, I'm a modern person. I get my news from Twitter. Yeah. Um, a third one, it's got to be Uber. I mean, I mean, I, I use it constantly. Like it, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I'm an Uber guy. I'm an Uber Eats guy. So like, it, yeah, it'd probably be Uber. That's great. I, I'm interested, you know, in hearing what some of the listeners will have to say, because I know they're thinking about that right now. And uh, I can only imagine some of those answers. And, and then finally. Well, I'm not taking Ubers now. To be, I'm, I'm, yeah, being well, COVID, I'm being COVID safe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Moving forward. But, you know, I guess uh, one other question. And this, you, you, you can't utilize Michael Jordan because you've already used this on your late night talk show. But if you could choose <laughs> two people to have dinner with, who would they be? Um, well, just right out of the gates, I would say if I had a chance, any president. But I'll, I'll be more specific. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give a lame answer. I, I would say President Obama would be someone. That would, he'd be. He'd be number one. Probably because I just. I'm fascinated by. Like I can't imagine. We're talking about leadership. I can't imagine it being President of the United States having the biggest job and leading leadership in the world. Like just the stuff you must see and experience. Yeah. You've got. It's got to be unbelievable. Um, I always thought about that too. Of like you know when when we're leading people and we're leaders and you know if there's something that goes wrong, like really only like a few people know like, Hey, maybe we should have had this plan and didn't have this plan. You do that as a president of the United States, everybody knows. Well, I can't even imagine leading this situation or like leading during nine 11 or like, right. like those kind of things. Like it, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, so I would love to have his perspective. And then the other one much lighter since I can't say Michael Jordan, um, 
I love athletes in general and kind of their experiences, their life experiences that kind of like come about. I, I would say Charles Barkley. I think he's just, he's, he's talking about great storytellers. Yeah. Great storyteller. Um, he's, he's experienced the dream team and competing in the NBA finals. And like, he's from a small town, like just his life experience to me. And now evolving into like one of the voices of the NBA. I don't know. I think he'd be a great, I think he'd be a great, a good candidate for that list. I'd love to be a server for that table and not only listen to you try to explain to Charles Barkley what the 2K League is, but also like the president reaching out to Charles and asking him about some of his habits and gambling and play days. Like I can only imagine the stories. That they're, both big, they're, both big, they're both huge NBA fans, so that would be yeah. helpful. Yes, they are. Well, well, finally, the last question on the hustle hot seat, Brennan, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Um, first off, and you did this as well as anybody I saw, um, if people are always looking for their next opportunity, I would say attack your current job and better ones will present themselves. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it's, if, you, if you're great at your job and working, and working hard and, and working on your craft, jobs will find you and new opportunities will find you. So that, that's, I'd say as a starting point, um, I think the other one, we've talked about this previously a little bit is being really thoughtful about who you surround yourself with. You know, I, I think, you know, you, you're, they always say your, your closest three friends in many ways tell a lot about you, kind of your, your potential. And so that going to my, my point earlier, you know, optimistic people, positive people who challenge you, that you want friends who challenge you, but also support you. And so I think, I think those are a couple of ones that I think, um, it's really important about, um, you know, being thoughtful about who you surround yourself with. And the last one I'd say, you, you know, you've kind of, you know, intimated this in terms of kind of with your questions about kind of going and moving to different places is, you know, enjoy the journey, like get out, you know, have new experiences, like go move somewhere you've never been before. Like, you know, go see different cities, you know, instead of just going to that tropical island for a vacation, like go see a totally different city and see a new culture. Like I just think you learn about life and it makes you more well-rounded. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, BD, you're now off the hustle hot seat. You're, you've had such a great career. I owe a lot to you and the people you brought in the Atlanta family. I thank you so much for your expertise, your time. What a pleasure to have you on 52 Weeks of Hustle. Hey, man, I'm, I'm proud of you. And I'm, and I'm proud of the fact that you're doing this podcast. And I think it's, it's an awesome way to give back to other executives. I'm not surprised you're doing it. But um, I, it was, it's a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Awesome. Well, thank you. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.